everyone. Thanks for joining us on Asking for a Friend, a podcast for women created by New Hope Community Church. The phrase and hashtag, asking for a friend, is used in sarcasm after asking an embarrassing question, indicating that it's so awkward it must be asked under the guise of a helpful friend. This discussion group was born out of a desire to talk openly about things that are often considered taboo or stay hidden in general, but especially in the church. Statistics show that the issues we will cover affect women within the church as much as those who don't consider themselves churchgoers, so let's talk about them. The first and very simple purpose of this group is to let women know that they are not alone. Across social media and even in person, we always show the best of ourselves, leading us to believe that nobody else has the same struggles as we do. This is such a lonely feeling and only leads to discouragement. This is a lie that we hope to expose by the time our discussion is over. Also, studies show that one of the reasons current generations don't consider going to church is that the church is not open to messy discussions and believe that Christians think they have all the answers. The second purpose of this discussion group is to show that this group of women admits we don't have simple solutions to life's questions, and we recognize that we never arrive but will be working through these issues during our lifelong journey. The third purpose of this group is to give practical suggestions and spiritual counsel to others based on the experience of our guests and the resources we've put together. Specifically, we will recommend resources from Right Now Media, a video resource library called the Netflix of Bible Studies. For your free access, text right now, space, N-H-C-C-M-N to 41411. As we listen to one another's stories and are bold in sharing our own, we can create a community where we are all fully known and fully loved. Because this is a safe space and the issues are sensitive, we will not be sharing the names of our guests. If you have questions about a particular guest or story, please contact us and we will connect you. So today's session is called Close to the Brokenhearted, and we will be talking about the topic of grief. And the verse that I uh, wrote out for this session is Psalm 34, starting at verse 17. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. And some of the Right Now Media resources that I have been watching leading up to this is one called Anchors for the Soul by John Mark Hicks, Love and Loss by Chuck and Ashley Elliott, Grief and Suffering by Dr. Chuck Betters, and Beyond Suffering by Johnny Erickson Tata, who we probably all know who that is. And then any other resources that our guests mentioned here today, we'll put in the comments then after this, um, if there's anything specific you guys that helped you through or that you want to recommend. Um, so let's get started. We have nine friends watching with us. Um, so it's going to be a good discussion. Let's just, um, I want to start by saying that I think one of the reason churches don't talk about this is because it's just hard and it can be awkward to know just how to respond to someone who's grieving in general. And, you know, I've lost two grandparents that were close to me, but um, never experienced a very significant loss. Like I think some of you have, and, you know, sometimes it's hard to know, do I sit there and just be present? Do I say, 
I'm sorry, do it, you know, what do you say? And so, you know, kind of the purpose of this group is to ask these ladies, what has been your experience and what can we do um, as sisters in Christ to help support people going through these things? And uh, we just had last week our uh, discussion on healing and prayer, which is great. We had wonderful ladies here. And so that might be something that's parallel, you know, to this discussion. But one of the ladies said that she thought it was interesting that Jesus grieved the death of Lazarus, knowing that he was going to raise him back to life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we see Jesus in grief in the garden when he knows he's going to sacrifice himself. And we see, you know, different parts of the Bible where Jesus grieves and Jesus is a reflection of God. And so I think it's, if Jesus can grieve, we're allowed to grieve. And then just the other Sunday, I think it was Pastor John said that, um, or maybe it was Bill. I know love, Bill loves the Psalms of David when he's lamenting. They're the Psalms of lament. And it was like there are more Psalms of lament than any other kinds, than of praise and all that. And so one thing I found said that there are 42 Psalms of lament and 30 of them are for an individual, a personal, and then other ones are corporate grieving on behalf of a group but so it's like you know what the bible has it in there you know chock full jesus experienced it so i just think there's no there's no shame or any you know in expressing our anger or our hurt or anything like that like here we are you know we're people so all right i think we're going to start with our friend here and we're just going to talk about what was your experience what led up to this um, time of grief and you've had a couple different couple, things um, that you a couple different about. ones I'm going to start with with one um, from several years ago mm-hmm. um, and that was a good friend that many people know and that was um, when Annie Maltrude passed away mm-hmm. and when Annie um, got sick one of the things I was very angry um, because I felt that was it fair mm-hmm. of God to take somebody who was such a godly woman a fantastic teacher, a wonderful friend, and um, in the what we would call the prime of life, you know, mm-hmm. with two kids, and uh, and he didn't heal her. And why wouldn't he heal her? Yeah. And that was very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2015, my best friend was diagnosed with a, um, a glioblastoma and uh, terminal, mm-hmm. and so we celebrated her 50th birthday in Abbott Northwestern. And um, she didn't really go home. She went home for a little bit after that. But um, walking beside her, going to treatments with her, um, dealing with all of that, and then eventually seeing her deteriorate where she didn't know who we were. um, And a person who was very kind and very sweet and just loved people became angry Mm -hmm. and defensive Mm -hmm. and um, would hit out at people when they tried to help her. Um, I was angry with God for that, too, <laughs> because it didn't seem fair. Yeah. It wasn't fair. Um, she was, again, she had gone through a messy divorce, was getting back on her feet, was in school, doing everything that would be great to, to start the her uh, adult life after her kids um, were done with school. And and uh, and she, she laughed. So the doctors told us 10 months, and it was almost 10 months exactly, that she passed away. Mm-hmm. And so that was a really hard one. I still deal with that. We still miss her horribly. Um, but the most, the recent one for me is walking um, with my dad and um, that closeness. And um, my dad had been sick. He had cancer. 
I think it was, uh, it was 11 years before this one. This was in 2015, so it was 11 years before that. So 2004, I think, was his first round of cancer. And um, he recovered after that one. And then this came in 2011 or 2015, and they told us it wasn't the same, it wasn't related. And then when they went into surgery, it was related. And then um, they said it would potentially be terminal. And um, so we were preparing for that. And um, he went through surgery, recovered from the surgery, um, and they told us to prepare that he wouldn't wouldn't go much longer, and we ended up with um, almost four years. So um, we're very thankful, a little over four years for that. But during that process, there were so many ups and downs. There were so many, how much longer is it going to be? Um, but at the time, he would not have had time with my youngest niece if um, he would have passed away in 2015 or 16, and he was able to um, at least have pictures and time with her. Um, um, as a toddler and preschooler. But with that process um, came hospice. And I think sometimes hospice is the most amazing thing, and it's also the hardest thing. Um, That staff is incredible. They will do anything for you, but you're playing a waiting game. Mm -hmm. It's always waiting. What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? And... Um, my dad was only 70. He just turned 70 when we found out the information um, that he was terminal and that it spread and uh, put him on hospice a week before his birthday. Mm-hmm. And uh, watching him deteriorate, watching my mom take care of him because she refused to let anybody else take care of him. And uh, when you know, you're talking through the grief and going through the stages of grief, I'm still not sure where I am in that stage Mm -hmm. because I'm a doer. I get things done. That's my job. I'm the oldest child. Mm -hmm. I'm the oldest daughter. My job is to get things done. Um, My job was to get my mom to take care of my mom, make sure my mom had had the support she needed, Mm -hmm. making sure my brothers, my sister, um, my kids, my husband, everybody else had had support, my sister-in-law. And so making sure things were planned and it was going to be a good funeral. It was going to, everything was going to be perfect um, because that's what my dad would have expected from me. And uh, so I never cried. I, I, the night I was with him, the night he died, it was my mom and I, um, I, we laugh and, and kind of giggle about it because he was not a Harry Potter fan, but mom and I decided to do a Harry Potter marathon as long as we're going to stay up with him. Cause we knew it wasn't going to be a lot longer. The signs were there. And, um, I just figured he didn't want to watch Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. So um, it wasn't long after that. My mom sat by his side, held his hand. We had prayed with him. We'd read scripture. We had sang with him. And then, um, you know, we talked him in for the evening and we got comfortable. And mm-hmm. it wasn't very long before my mom goes, I think he stopped breathing. Mm-hmm. So I did the checks. And um, again, where you're the oldest, you just do it. Yeah. I was there for the corners when the corners came. Mm-hmm. Or the, not the corners, but the... the um, funeral home mm-hmm. when they came I dealt with that I dealt, you know my sister couldn't deal with it it was mm-hmm. so I don't I, I didn't have time to cry and through the whole planning process I didn't have time to cry um, yeah. and uh, so I think I'm still waiting for that ugly cry yeah. I don't think it's ever every once in a while something will hit and I'll have a good cry yeah. but it's not that deep grief um, and then the pandemic hit about the time we were going to my mom was going to be able to start yeah. doing things again now she's stuck at home. So not being with my mom. You said it was, it was December. December 26th. Yeah. Yep. 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 And so, um, and we had the funeral because my home, my son was home on leave. So we wanted to have, um, 
the funeral before he had to go back um, to the base. And, uh, um, yeah, so it was, we, we went away for a girls weekend in January and then, um, we you know, spent some time with mom going through things and doing things. And then the pandemic hit and everything shut down. So, um, I don't think some of us have been, we haven't been together a lot to, to go through those grieving processes, yeah. which I think we will have to do here at some point. Yeah. Um, but, uh, again, like I said, I'm a, I had to get things done. And so, and my mom's the same way. Yeah. We had to get things done and dad wanted it this way. And so had, things had to be done. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes it was hard for me in some ways because this is not my biological father. It's my, it's my father, but it's my stepdad. Yeah. And my siblings are all his biological children. Um, and so in that five years or four years between when he was first diagnosed or got sick a second time, um, when he started showing symptoms, we were on a trip to Europe. I got with my parents to Europe, um, for three weeks and it was a fantastic trip. And my dad and I ironed out a lot of things on that trip. Um, years of just, my dad was a very opinionated person. I'm an opinionated person. Um, and sometimes we didn't agree. Right. And so we had to deal with, we dealt with some of that and some of the issues of him when he adopted me and, mm-hmm. and some of those things. And so I think in some ways God was directing some of those things because dad and I had those times and, and we sat and he shared things with me and shared things with my kids. And those things almost brought more tears than the actual loss of my father. Mm-hmm. Um, he you know, told my kids how cute I was when he first met me, but how stubborn I was. And mm-hmm. I didn't want him part of my mom's life. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so sharing some of those things. So we kind of laughed about those things. But um, the grateful part of me is my dad was a very strong man of faith. And my dad knew where he was going. He knew um, what happened after this life. And he was not scared. He wanted to stay here. He wanted to be with us. But he also wanted to go on if he wasn't going to be healed he was ready to go mm-hmm. um and so that was assuring for for us and when his church came to um the people from the stevens ministry came to sit with him and he said well you know what i'm good i know where i'm going i you don't need to be praying with me who can we pray for in the church because mm-hmm. that was my dad and that that was helpful mm-hmm. um and i think sometimes i feel that if i break down i'm disappointing him mm-hmm. so i think in that way i don't want to because, you know, he was always that, you got to go, 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 and do, do, do. So, um, so I think some, in some ways that grief has not yeah. gone where it should go. Mm-hmm. So, How's your mom doing? How's she? She's strong. Yeah. <laughs> my, mom, my mom bought a Segway this summer. Okay. <laughs> a little scooter bike. <laughs> she was like, oh, yeah. Because she's, she, hospice was hard for her because she felt that she needed to be with my dad. But also at the same time, she's not one to sit still very well. Yeah. Um, she went down. They went. They were snowbirds for um, one year, two months, uh, one month really. And um, my mom said, "This is for old people. I'm not doing this anymore." <laughs> um, she was. I can't sit still. Yeah. And my dad said it was like entertaining a toddler. So he said, "No, we're not doing this again." Um, but that was good. They got. They got. My mom and dad made experiences. They traveled. They did things. Yeah. They didn't wait for retirement. Mm-hmm. which I'm so thankful for. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, we have so many fantastic family memories that that helps so much. And I guess my thing with advice is don't, don't wait for retirement. Don't wait for, to have enough money. Don't wait till this happens. If you want to do something and you can, you can possibly make it work, do it because you'll never get that time back again. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful for those memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
Seize the day. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Okay, I'm <laughs> ready. Um, um, so I have experienced a bit of um, loss myself. Um, I lost my mom when I was 33. She was 56. She passed from a brain aneurysm. It was um, quite quick and sudden, and I was young and had young kids, and it was a, in a really different time in my life, and um, I don't know, I grieved, I think probably not in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it was 10 years ago, I lost my dad to cancer. He lived in um, Florida at the time, and that was a, a pretty quick thing. He got sick. He was hospitalized by the time we went down there, and he just had um, seven days before he passed. He stayed in hospice for one day, oh. and it was it was an amazing experience. They really um, treated him good, treated us good. It was a very peaceful, loving, amazing way to go, I guess. Um, and then let's see, May 1st of, I won't get the the year right. Mm -hmm. Six years ago, I lost my daughter to cancer and she, she was 31 at the time. She had, um, had cancer two years previously. Um, it was, uh, cervical cancer and, um, she had surgery, didn't do any radiation. They got everything. Everything was good. And then two years later, it returned in her lung. Mm. And um, because Jenny had a, a blood condition, she couldn't do um, chemotherapy. She did one round of chemotherapy, and um, it just it wasn't good. She couldn't she couldn't handle it. Mm. Um, so that. What year was that? That, I'm not good at counting back years. I I met her one time, I think, in the summer of 2014. She was here, and that was the only time I met her in service. But I was going through all my epilepsy stuff and figuring out my diagnosis in lots of hospitals and stuff. So I just got to thank her for sharing her story. I think you guys did a video. Oh, her her and her husband did did a, a video. video. Yep, did mm-hmm. a, a testimony. Yeah. I think that was shortly before she passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was quite sick at the time yeah. when she did that. Um, so she actually, I think it was, it was nine months from the time of her second diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And um, she had part of her lung removed. Mm-hmm. Um, it spread it was in her brain and um, just various various parts of her body um jenny was a very uh lively uh vivacious young lady and she had a lot of spark and she loved the lord and that i'm very grateful for um and yeah, she touched a lot of lives. Um, I like to say that cancer didn't win because cancer only wins if you refuse to continue living and just yeah. lay down and die. You yeah. know, so Jenny. Jenny wanted to live. In fact, we went um, skydiving the the day after or the day before she had her lung surgery, mm-hmm. or two days before she mm-hmm. had. 
So she called us up and said, we're going skydiving. And I'm like, we are not. So, yeah, we did a lot of really fun things and, and spent some really good quality time together. But, um, yeah, the, the grieving is... There is no right way of doing it. There is no wrong way of doing it. Um, I've learned a lot. Um, I think one of, you know, many things I've learned, but I think I've really learned how to, or I hope I have, to reach out to others who have lost, Mm -hmm. um, you know, because those things that people would say or or, not intending to, you know, but just were kind of sometimes kind of painful or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. So I just I think I've learned a lot about yeah. how to reach out to other people, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. my story in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we talked a little bit before we started about the stages of grief. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we listed all seven of them, but, <laughs> yeah, but anger and denial mm-hmm. and questioning and yeah guilt guilt yeah yeah those yeah but yeah acceptance yeah we're talking about how you can go through circle back stay stuck on one you know there's a whole yeah and everybody does things differently yeah yeah so there's no set time you know it's you know that you're going to go through this or that or you know and oh now now i'm done or you know it's just you know it's i think you know, especially, and, I, and all loss is horrible and everything, but I think, you know, especially, you know, with losing a child, it's yeah. like, it just never, you know, never goes away. And it has changed me. It's changed me as a person in yeah. many ways. Yeah. Will you say more about that? Those um, are my questions. Um, I think, well, in, in a negative ways, it has changed me. Um, I do have clinical depression and anxiety. Um, and, um, in, let's see, I think in positive ways, I think I like to try to, you know, see things in, you know, in the moment and, and, you know, know that, you know, things are not going to be here necessarily forever. Things can, you know, change in a blink of an eye. And, um, my faith has never been has never disappeared or gone away. Mm-hmm. I have questioned. I have been angry. Yeah. I have, in I in fact asked. Maybe I even put it on last week about um, healing and yeah. what happens when God doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. I really struggled with that, and oh, yeah. I still do sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. it's like our God of miracles. Mm-hmm. Didn't, 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 you know, Mm -hmm. I know he can, Mm -hmm. but he didn't, you know, and that's, that can be, that's hard. That was a good discussion last week. Yeah. Or that was the week before. Yeah. Last week was the type A, the type or whatever that personality. That's right. Yeah. My one fun discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. And. And things just coming up when you don't expect it, like, you know, different songs or, you know, yeah. driving by something. Or, like, I have my grandma's, she had a little glass candy, you know, like, 
Mm-hmm. And, and I loved it. And so when she died, I got to keep it. And so it's in my bathroom, and most days, you know, you get ready, and I don't really think about it. And then when I see it, I'm like, oh, God, it makes me really emotional. And it's like a jar of candy, you know, mm-hmm. glass candy. Mm-hmm. Or, like, the song, I'm Going Home, Where the Streets Are Golden, whatever. Mm-hmm. She died at the time when that was popular, and I was like, I can't. I can't mm-hmm. listen to that song. It makes me yep. really sad. So, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Did you have weird things? Or oh, still It, did. like, triggers you. So, one Sunday... Um, in church I'm at the soundboard and um, the uh, song I can't think of the name right now but if I hear it I know it um, the 100 million stars you know yeah a um, million billion times yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and um, he can he can look at those you know so, so should I or whatever yeah. and that was a song we put on the video for my dad yeah. and oh yeah I yeah, yeah. And, and just little things because like one night I was on my computer and I was just having a rough time mm-hmm. with school and with everything going on right now mm-hmm. and um, I don't know why because my apparently my computer has a mind of its own <laughs> all of a sudden my dad's video started playing mm-hmm. I never touched it I didn't yeah. turn it on I didn't do anything I lost it yeah. I mean I was mm-hmm. crying and and I don't know why I mean just one of those little things and my husband came out like are you okay you need to go to bed I'm like yeah I do need to go to bed <laughs> yeah. but you know just that little trigger yeah but and some things that are time things that are just not even really related yeah. you know it's just yeah, yeah. it's kind of like reminds me of like maybe maybe minor ptsd mm-hmm. you know where it's like yeah. just all of a sudden whoa you know yeah. and just something just i created the video i didn't cry once the whole time i put that video together and then yeah. a bunch of times i watched it but this one night last fall yeah set me off so yeah mm-hmm. yeah totally. and then other medical stuff because you've had losses since then and that's yes oh yes and I didn't even go (laughs) I just lost my father-in-law the 24th to COVID yeah when I remember when your husband's mother died and my my mother-in-law died two years ago yeah so a lot in a yeah yeah Yeah. and that can trigger losses from Mm -hmm. the past oh Oh, definitely definitely does Mm -hmm. yeah Want to go ahead and talk? Uh, yes, I um, when I was 27 years old, I'm 69 right now, or I guess six, still 69. <laughs> and um, when I was 27 years old, I found out that I was pregnant, and I've been trying to. My husband and I have been trying to uh, conceive for quite a while. And I remember I was so excited that I couldn't wait. My parents were out with some friends of theirs for the evening. And when I found out, um, did the test before actually going to the doctor, but found out I was pregnant, um, I couldn't wait till the next day to tell them. So we tracked them down wherever they were with their friends. And and my mom's like, well, what are you doing here? And I'm going, well, I've got news to tell you. And I'm like, I'm pregnant. And of course... She was beside herself, and, and my father, too. They, were, they knew that I'd been trying for quite some time. Um, and um, so I was all excited and went to the doctor and then started the whole procedure and went through my first trimester, and everything seemed to be going okay. I didn't do, I was really nauseated, very sick. I remember going to work. Um, we lived in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at the time, and I took a streetcar going to work. And I remember every morning <laughs> sitting on the streetcar eating crackers because I thought, please, Lord, don't let me throw up. <laughs> And, and uh, so anyway, everything seemed to be going great. 
And then um, I started having some complications and I had started some bleeding. And so then I went to the doctor and he put me on bed rest Mm -hmm. and told me that he did not want me working. Mm -hmm. So I went on bed rest. I was on bed rest for, I guess, about almost a, a month. And I had sonograms. I went and had sonograms done every week just to check how everything was going. And, you know, for the first few weeks, everything was okay, and the spotting had stopped, and we just thought everything was going to be okay. And then I went to the following week, and the um, doctor couldn't find a heartbeat. And so they, I was told then that the child had died in in my uterus. And I was just, you know, by hearing those words, I was, I guess I just really didn't believe it. And they, and they thought that I would go ahead and abort the baby on my own. And unfortunately, I didn't. So I, it became a, where my life was Mm -hmm. becoming in danger. So I went in, walked into a hospital pregnant and came out without a child. Mm -hmm. And I remember the nurses coming to me and saying, oh, don't worry about it. You know, it'll be okay. In a few months you can try again and you'll, you'll have plenty of children. And I worked through the process. It was very, very difficult. Um, when I first got home, you know, I had people trying to, you know, lift me up in my spirits. I, my church was wonderful, my pastor and my church family. And I, you know, I have a very strong faith from a circumstance that I went through in my life when I was in my early 20s. Um, you know, I say now I run to God when things get tough and God was there for me. And, uh, I feel that he had a purpose for my life. And from that experience, that really helped me with dealing with my grief from losing a a child that I really, really wanted. And it's like a friend of mine um, sent me, she does pregnancy loss counseling also, and she sent me this um, testimony of a woman. And it it said, there's a club of mothers that we all hope to never join, Mm -hmm. and of which far too many are silent members. We are the women who have lost a child we never even met, a child for whom we have no memories, no pictures of happy smiles, or stories of budding personalities, just the grief of what might have been. And that really speaks to a lot of women that go through pregnancy loss because it is so true. And I ended up, my husband and I did counseling, um, at a, at a hospital for pregnancy loss, and that did help me. And then a year later, um, there were or I went to the doctor. I was having some problems, and because of complications from the pregnancy loss, um, I was told that I needed a complete hysterectomy. And so then I went. I started the grief process all over again because of the fact that I would not ever be able to conceive a child. And I really thought that was, you know, it, it, that was a double whammy. That not It just triggered me back to losing a child mm-hmm. and then being told you can never have another child. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very difficult. My, my husband was really supportive at the beginning, 
But as years passed, it became um, very, very difficult. And um, he started drinking very heavily. And our, our relationship eventually did end up in divorce. And when we were, well, we were separated, legally separated, um, I had, uh, I was doing pregnancy loss counseling, a girlfriend of mine and I, we started, um, she had had a stillbirth and, and we had shared our stories. And so we got involved with an organization called SHARE, which is a, stands for a source of help and um, resolving experiences. And it was started by a Catholic nun who was in a hospital with women who had gone through pregnancy loss. And she was trying to comfort them. Her name was Sister Jane Marie. And she worked at a hospital out of, outside of Chicago. And she was trying to comfort these women, but then thought, you know, I've never been married. I really can't relate. So she started this organization called SHARE, and it's a national organization. It's all over the United States now, different chapters. And so we started, my girlfriend and I uh, got involved in that, and we started our own little SHARE chapter in Pittsburgh. And then when I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, I started doing it there. And I was getting through the um, health department, getting leads on going and speaking to women who had gone through pregnancy loss. And at the time, um, and we got, and this woman and I uh, got to be very good friends. And I had a neighbor later on who called me and said that her teenage daughter was pregnant. And she, had, of course, had gone through my loss with me when I lost the baby because she was an old neighbor of mine. And she wanted her daughter to come and live with me for and my, my, my husband and for the last three months of the pregnancy and that Tracy would be signing the child over to me. And I explained to Myra that my husband and I were separated, that we were going through some difficulties in our marriage. And she said, well, just think about it. Well, I literally wanted to, you know, I mean, I wanted a child so bad that you could almost like cut your arm off. But this woman at the, um, at the health department there in town who gave me my leads for counseling, she was a very dear friend, and she needed to be totally honest with me. And I needed to hear the honesty because she told me that if I went through this and adopted this child, that it wouldn't put a broken marriage back together. Mm-hmm. So I caught, and, and she was totally right. I thought about it, and I did realize, you know, you know that this would be a child that needed to have a father and a mother. So I contacted my doctor uh, that I went through my pregnancy loss, and he did uh, fertility, infertility counseling, and uh, he um, hooked my neighbor up with a couple that no longer could have children. And this child of Tracy's went to this couple. So I felt... I mean, I had a lot of different emotions going through at that time, but um, doing that really helped uh, helped me. And I'm not saying that it doesn't come back to haunt me from time to time. It does, and I think of you know uh, what could have been, and and you know the future, and what, and and just all the things like you say, you know, in, in this. Uh, text that my girlfriend sent me that, you know, we are the women who have lost a child we've never even met. Mm -hmm. But I think the important thing is, is that through it all and my faith, which really kept it all together for me, 
Um, and, you know, you don't understand the whys, but sometimes we never know. Only God will, God knows. Mm-hmm. And I was able, at the age of 48, um, I did eventually get remarried to a, a wonderful person. Mm-hmm. And um, we were married for five years. And I told him when we were dating that... Um, because I couldn't have children, that I, I was going to be a mom. I was going to be a mom and that I wanted to adopt and that if he was not interested in this, that, um, you know, this relationship really wasn't going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And he was. And so five, after we were married for five years, um, I went to Russia and I adopted a toddler because at that time I was 48. So I thought, you know, we were qualified to adopt a baby, but I thought... I had to look at the future and my age, and I thought, you know, I don't want, you know, if, if something happens to me, I want this child to, you know, at least be older to take care of himself, and because and, both my parents were deceased. And so anyway, at 48 years old, I became a mom, mm-hmm. and it was the best experience of my life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it just, um, you know, through faith and through the grief process and I think the good thing that came out of it is the pregnancy loss counseling. And even today, I'm not involved in it anymore, but um, I can share my story with women that I find out are going through something like that if they want to talk. And I think the most important thing about the grieving process, it's not everybody thinks they've got to come up with the right thing to say. You know, the perfect thing to say that's going to make the person feel better. And in my experience, the the best thing in, in learning from this pregnancy loss counseling, it's not what you say, it's your presence that means everything. Because you let that individual, let them share. If they want to open up, let them open up. But you just be there so that they have comfort knowing that you're there and whatever way and, and take your lead from them because you cannot you've not walked in their pain and I think that's one of the best experiences that, that I found from my from my whole experience but um, I'm very proud my son is just turned in October 24 years old and he is he knows he's I, I he knows that I, I told him, I said, you weren't born in my tummy, you were born in my heart. Uh, and I said, but he does know that I lost a child, and he does know I am his, he is my second child. But the greatest peace that I have is that I know when it's time that God calls me home, is that I have a peace that when uh, I get to heaven, that there's going to be a child that's going to mm-hmm. tap me on the shoulder and say, hi, Mom. And that just really brings a smile to my face and brings me true peace. Yeah. So that's my story. Yeah. I think it's so common, too. It's like one out of four it is, ladies it, or one out of three. Yeah, because we, we had twins. Yeah. Our second one was a twin, and we lost the twin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then again, when you're talking about the grief, I don't feel like we, we, we grieved because mm-hmm. um, I had two sister-in-laws who both lost babies yeah. The same year, at the same time, and uh, we were operating at the same time. I came home with a baby, mm-hmm. not two, but I came home with one, and they came home with none. Right. So I always felt like, oh, we didn't have the right to grieve for the one yeah. right. missing. But I look at my daughter; she's turning twenty-eight 
next week and I'm going, there should be two of you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there should have been another boy. We should have right. two of each and we right. didn't. Right. Exactly. Then when, you, when you said the tapping on the shoulder, that's what yeah. I'm looking for to see that yes. little boy that I never got to hold in yeah. my arms. But. And that's, you know, and, and that's why, you know, it's and just being able to, to adopt this little boy yeah. that his, his, Yes, as he's you know, gotten older and teenage years, there's been a lot of challenges, and, and you know, and, and you know, it's like, gosh, you know, my my hair's getting grayer and grayer, <laughs> but but um, it, it was a, such a great experience, and um, you know, I learned a lot. I mean, yeah. you know, my my faith, it, you know, I just feel like in life that every all the ups and downs and the mountains and valleys. I mean that. God is just teaching me so many things to you know to learn from it. Doesn't mean that it's easy. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing is it's it's just like in the Bible. Jesus wept. Mm-hmm. And God knows that we're human yeah. mm-hmm. and he knows our feelings and our why we're upset mm-hmm. and he understands. Yeah. And my greatest one of my favorite poems is Footprints in the Sand. Yeah. When he is why is there only one set of footprints, Lord? Because that's the time that I was carrying you. Mm-hmm. And, and he is there, always. Uh, you guys were both nodding when she talked about just being there and, and sitting with somebody. Was that your experience, that that was one of the best things that somebody could do? Mm-hmm. I think the worst is when, when people are like, um, they think they can, you know, fix you or, or, you know, what can I do for you? What can, you know, and it's like, you know, no, I just need somebody to be with me. Mm -hmm. I don't need, maybe I want to talk about Jenny. Maybe I don't, you know, and I, um, I met a, a friend who, a woman from church who had shortly after Jenny passed lost her husband and we just, clicked over our loss and mm-hmm. at times we'd talk about our loss and so at mm-hmm. times we didn't you know and mm-hmm. it was just a bond that we shared and I think that that's something that all this tragedy you know this loss this pain has mm-hmm. has equipped me and has equipped others with loss to be mm-hmm. able to be there for others you know and when you were talking about the grief share and that I was thinking about I went to a a uh, group for a while called Compassionate Friends, which is uh, uh, for loss of a child. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really helpful to me. Um, I got a lot out of it. And, you know, we talked about a lot of different the stages of grief mm-hmm. and, the, um, you know, just the different anniversaries and, you know, just being able to share that with other people that knew. Yeah. That could relate to what yeah. you've been through. Right, right, was, was really good, but yeah, and that's why I think it's so important just to be there because, like I said, you're you know you're trying to fix that, fix you or whatever. Uh, they mean well, but it doesn't help because they they walk through your pain, and yet I think when it, you know with with the support group that you went to, and then me finding out about Share, and and, and of course now what they're doing now with Share, and they didn't have this back when I went through it. Um, they, you can have actually hold your child, or you can 
take pictures. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, and it's totally up to whatever the parents yeah. want to do. Right. So, I mean, those are things that, you know, I don't, back in my day, you didn't have, of course, I had a nurse that said, oh, don't worry about it. You'll have plenty of kids. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like I wanted to go back to that nurse a year later when I was told I had to have a hysterectomy. <laughs> no. Where, you know, where, you know, yeah. now what do you have to say? And then when I got home from the hospital after I lost, you know, the baby, um, I had a neighbor that came over and she meant well, and I know that. Uh, but she came and said, well, come on, we need to get you out of the house. We're going to go visit Karen, neighbor down the street. She, she just had a baby. And then she stopped <laughs> in her tracks and she goes, uh, I guess that wouldn't be a good idea. You might want to steal it. Yeah. Oh. 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 <laughs> and, but that was Carrie. You had to know Carrie. And she meant well, but she Sorry. always kind of stuck her foot in her right. mouth. And it's know. just like, like I said, you know, but that was one of the best things I learned in, in my doing, you know, counseling with other women is that I would just share my story and then sit there and let it go from there and if they wanted to open up that was great if they had questions whatever but I think that was the greatest part of the grief process is just your presence mm-hmm. well, one of the things when the things when people said something that didn't help yeah. is when they would lean over and go oh I know how you feel oh, oh yeah. no yeah. you don't no. Yeah. I'm sorry you know yeah. I, and I, I should say I, should, I mean that sounds rude to say that that I, you don't know how I feel, but until you've walked exactly in my yeah, shoes, right. I can empathize with right. your loss of a child. Yeah. I can empathize with your right. loss of a child. Um, you can empathize with my loss of a, of a father, but you don't know exactly how I feel. Right. You know, you don't know. We all have histories. We all have mm-hmm. um, things that happened in our life that put us on the track that we're on. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and sometimes we lose a parent when there's things that have been unforgiven yeah. or, right. Right. you know, hurts that haven't been resolved. Mm-hmm. Or um, so you, you look at that and go, well, you don't yeah. know what, right. I'm, what I'm really feeling. Yeah, right. um, and I had a, a, a friend, and I know she meant well, but she's another one of those friends. And, and she <laughs> says things, but quite often it doesn't quite go the way she maybe wants it to go. Right. But her aunt had 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 cancer, recovered, was doing great, and she says, "Oh, I know just how you feel." And my aunt did this, and my aunt did that, and right. she interrupted my conversation to tell me that. And I'm like, "But I'm just sharing with you that my dad was just put on hospice. We just heard the news three days ago that he's not going to get better; that it's spread to other parts of his body." And, and so, no, you don't know how I feel. Um, but then when I found my, the verse I was thinking of because um, right now I'm reading a chapter of Luke every day. Um, the 12th, 24 chapters of Luke for every day of December. And um, earlier this week, it was, um, and I don't know how you miss some of these things when you read the Bible, you come back and you read it again, and you're like, wow, how did I miss that? I know, right? <laughs> so in Luke Luke chapter 7, Jesus raises a widow's son. And as I'm reading through that, I'm like, well, yeah, I know all these miracles that he did and all these different things. But um, in verse um, 13, I think it is, my eyes got very good. <laughs> When the Lord saw her, this woman, um, they were carrying her son out. She was a widow. This was her only son. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bear that they were carrying him on, and the bear stood still, and young man, I said, you get up. That part isn't as amazing to me as the part where Jesus looked at her and said, he felt his heart. In his heart, 
He felt her pain. Mm -hmm. So when I think about that, it tells me that God has seen my pain. Yeah. He he was he was here. He was fully human and fully God. Right. He knows the pain that we're going through. Right. So when we run away from him in our pain, um, it's counterproductive to our healing. Mm -hmm. You know, we should be running to him because he understands mm -hmm. the pain. God, you know, sent his son to the cross. Right. He knows how we feel. He, he knows lost a child. He lost a child. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, He's he has those human yes, qualities yeah. that we have, and yeah. so and that's what helps me too because he does. He was here as a, yeah. as a human, and he does understand. And you so know. It, it makes me think that when he sees my heart breaking over yeah. whatever, he's looking at me, going, "Don't cry. Mm -hmm. I've got this." Right. It may not be healing. Mm -hmm. It may not be what we want it to be, right. but he's got this. Right. And so I, that verse always, I, I, why did I ever miss that verse? I know, yeah. it, but maybe because at this moment in my life, mm -hmm. that's what I needed to hear, and that's what I needed to see. And mm -hmm. so I thought that I would share that. I kept bringing it up on my phone so it wouldn't disappear because I never can remember mm -hmm. the references to verses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, one of that's really, that struck me, I, I, I do, when I do my devotions, if there's something when I'm reading the Bible that really strikes me and it's it, it's like god's telling you this mm -hmm. is one you need to write down i write it down mm -hmm. and so um you know i know some people when they get angry they count to 10 i say bible verses <laughs> yep <laughs> and and i do that on a daily basis and the one that i just came across a couple of weeks ago was john 16 33 mm -hmm. where jesus says to his disciples um that he's talking to them because he's getting ready to go to to god uh, that he's saying in this, um, and I tell you these things so that in me you may find peace, mm -hmm. that in this world there will be troubles, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Mm -hmm. And that just really, really spoke volumes to me. And I, and I think with all the craziness that goes on with everything, the mountains, the valleys, you know, we need to take heart. I have overcome the world. That he will always, he will never leave us nor forsake us. That he will always, you know, be there. You know, like when, what it was it Psalm 147, verse 3. Um, God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. You know, and, and I think that... Um, that I'm just grateful that, that for those that have faith and, and, I, and I pray, really pray that those people that are going through loss or difficulties in life that, um, that they really will open up their heart or whether somebody says something or some experience or whatever that their heart will be opened because he's knocking at the door. We just, you know, he's not going to Say okay, you know, I'm coming in. Now we have to invite him in, and and he's really will be there for us. And, and I and I know from my own personal experience, uh, and and things that, that I've gone through even since the loss of a child or even prior to that, um, that he really is a um, he is there, mm -hmm. and he will always be there. I love the verse where it says he bends his ear. Yeah, you know, right, so saying, exactly. Like, yes, child? Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, cool. Right. So, did you have any verses or anything that you kind of... In one of my devotions I was reading the other day, I had come across... Um, I think this is from Billy Graham devotion that I had. Um... It says, 
This is from um, 2 Corinthians. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. If we are comforted, it is for our comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. And I just think that that's just, again, one of those things that is just so key is that, um, you know, through our pain, through our experiences and stuff, we can, you know, hopefully um, reach out and help others, you know. And, you know, I was thinking, too, of another... um, I'd say maybe a piece of advice for somebody that mm-hmm. knows somebody who's going through something, grief or whatever. It's like, don't ask, you know, what can I do for you? Can I just, just do it. Bring a meal. Mm-hmm. Take your kids. Send a text. Yeah. You know, just, just yeah. do, you know, I had, you know, people that, you know, come bring a meal over. Mm-hmm. Even, even through COVID with the loss of my, my father-in-law, you know, here's a doorstep meal for you, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, you know, if you, if you have kids, can I take your kid or not even ask, just do it, okay. you know, just let me, because I will not say, yeah. yes, I need you to help me. Yes. Right. I could, you know, right. do that. So mm-hmm. I think just doing for others and just yeah. listening, like we were saying too. Yeah. So right. like for me, um, I don't ask for help. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm horrible. I'm a horrible person. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same. I'm right. horrible. Yeah. I don't want to impose. Exactly. I'll do it myself. Right. Um, <laughs> the biggest help for me as a person who doesn't ask for help is I have adult children. And my children know me. Mm-hmm. And so my daughters, especially my son was out, out, of, out of the state. He was mm-hmm. in, um, I was already based. But mm-hmm. my, um, my daughters just came and did. Mm-hmm. They came and cleaned. They came and cooked. Mm-hmm. Um, they stayed with me. While I took care of my mom, yeah. they took care of their mom, mm-hmm. yeah. which I'm so grateful for. My husband was another, you know, he, he took care of He lost his mother when he was um, 15, so he knew what that was like to go through the loss of a parent. Um, um, but again, when you, it, I, I was looking at the one question, and I'll probably get to that, but um, what people did, like you said, what people mm-hmm. did for you. Yeah. Um, just a simple text saying, mm-hmm. I know this is the first mm-hmm. yeah, holiday, whatever yeah. the holiday it is. Yes. Um, this one was, was Father's Day. I know mm-hmm. this is the first Father's Day right. without your father. Mm-hmm. I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. Right. And um, I will say our lead pastor's wife, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can say your name or not, but yes. <laughs> um, has been amazing this last year because she lost her mother just before mm-hmm. I lost my dad. And, yeah. and just... She will say, hey, I read this devotional. Help me. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Yeah. And just those texts coming up on my phone are just like, mm-hmm. yeah. just like a soothing, refreshing, refresh, yeah, mm-hmm. soothing to my heart. Feels yeah. love. Yes. Feels love. Yeah, you know, exactly. Somebody cares. Somebody's thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or just my friends who said, hey, let's go out. I know it's your dad's birthday. You can't be together with your family like you wanted to be. Yeah. Let's go out for supper. Mm-hmm. My, my best friends did that. I and mean, little things. And yeah. I, when you, when you, the people closest to you who know those little things, if they can, if you can just yeah. step in, like you said, don't ask. Mm-hmm. Just do. Mm-hmm. Just call and say, hey, I know it's your dad's birthday today. You guys have planned to be together as a family, but because of COVID, mm-hmm. you can't. Let's go um, out to eat. Yeah. 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 Huge. Huge. Yeah. yeah. It's those little things that really can mm-hmm. mean a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To go yeah. a long way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The cards. 
Um, I can't part with the cards. I haven't been able to part with the mm-hmm. cards yet. I still have cards from my mom's. Okay. Oh, the other fun thing you want to talk about deliveries. One of my friends had um, those strawberries that dipped, they oh. hand dipped um, ch- Sherry's berries. Oh, yeah. They, they showed up yeah. at my house, and I'm like, going, oh, bless you. Perhaps <laughs> <laughs> after Christmas, we don't need any more goodies. Yeah. But the little things. Yeah. You don't have to come in and clean my house. You don't have to come and do all these things. But just let me know that I'm in your thoughts. And so that has been a big thing for me to be more intentional with, with my friends that are hurting. Yes. And I think maybe if there's one positive that's come in this and all this is being is my myself being more intentional when I hear that other people are hurting over the over losses. Where before it was kind of like, oh, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Here's a car. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where it ended. Mm-hmm. Where now I'm like, here, here's a delivery. I mean, a, a simple delivery. Right. You know. Yeah, I was watching an interview, um, and the guy said, I wish that when I lost the person that I had a scar so that people would remember to keep asking me about it because time goes by and people stop telling stories and stop Mm -hmm. asking how you are. And so he said that's something that he would like people to do Mm -hmm. because people wonder, should I mention them? Mm -hmm. Am I supposed to say their name? Can I use the word died? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. they're like, it makes me sad when they stop talking yes, about that. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So I thought that was interesting because I, you know, sometimes, like, don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. ask my dad, how are you doing with your mom's loss, you know, one year ago? And, yeah. But it might make him sad that no one talks about it anymore. Yeah. I have a family member well, who I was really, really close to, mm-hmm. and she would never talk about him. She didn't want mm-hmm. to... For me to remember, or me to be sad, or me to, and it's like, wait a minute, I, I know I, of this loss, I feel this loss, so you bring it up, is it going to remind me, you know, yeah. please, <laughs> let's talk about yeah. Jenny, let's yeah. tell stories, let's right. laugh, yeah. let's, right. it, it's like people think you're going to forget that person, right. that was such a huge part of your life, like, I'm not going to forget them, mm-hmm. so let's laugh over it together, yeah. we laugh over the funny things my dad did, yeah. we laugh over his opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah. what would he have thought about this? <laughs> well, I'd like to get dad's opinion on this. You know, and it's like, you know, the scar, which you don't see it, yeah. but the scar is there. It, you know, it, healing does go help move mm-hmm. you forward, mm-hmm. but the scar is always there. Always, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> is that? I believe it. An hour. I'm sure. <laughs> well, and we went through a bunch of this stuff and you guys already mentioned kind of about what good has come out of it. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting in, in reading about this, talking about Jesus' grief, that he went away by himself when mm-hmm. Lazarus died, but the people were still wanting to hear from him and talk mm-hmm. to him. And so he told the disciples, you know, bring them. So then he did still share and mm-hmm. encourage them. And if, whatever the third thing was, it was like, then you help others. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. You kind of mentioned some good that had come out of it, being able to empathize more with people. Yeah, stronger faith. Yeah, stronger faith from of family members. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really good. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, try to remember those good things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But the memories are hard. It was, it was, it's how hard when when the like for me. It always pops into my head is that last that last vision of my dad. Yeah, as you mm-hmm. stop breathing, mm-hmm. I'm like, 
okay, why do I always, be, why does that always, why can't I go and, mm-hmm. and remember the, t- the few days before mm-hmm. when I talked with him? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. Those, those are pretty vivid, those yeah. memories. But I always, I try to replace those memories yes. with, with Jenny, what she'd always hug me and say, right. I love you, Mom. Yeah. And I can just see that, you know, and I mm-hmm. just hear that. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what, yeah. We had a puppy. She was a, a and uh, puppy, hyper puppies. Puppies are always hyper. But we'd take her down to my dad's and she would lay right next to him, mm-hmm. right on him, right. Still. Just lay there. We have so many pictures of her mm-hmm. laying under his chair, laying on his lap, laying beside the bed when he was bedridden. And again, she was a, less than a year old and she was, or turning a year. Um, but she would just, she brought him so much comfort mm-hmm. at that last little bit. So, um, those are what I try and remember. I try and remember her coming up to him and, right. and things like that. When I when uh, brought my son home and I would put him to bed for his naps, I would always, you know, just looking at him, it was just, you know, people would say to me, oh, you did such a good thing in adopting him. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. it's what he did for mm-hmm. me. And I would put him down for naps and I would just stare at his little face. Mm-hmm. And I would take my hand and I would do, I would just rub the side of his face then he'd fall off to sleep. I'd do that at night before his naps. But I'll never forget the one afternoon that I put him down for a nap. And I was doing that, and I stopped. And he looked like he was about ready to fall asleep. And he rolled over and looked straight at me. And he took his little hand, and he did this to my face. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I heard him say, I love you, Mommy. Because he didn't speak English. He was learning Mm -hmm. English. Mm -hmm. But that's what he did. He stroked my face. And the tear... I had to turn because I didn't want to upset him. But it was... I just was so grateful. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like, wow. I'm a mom. Mm -hmm. And that first... I still have that first Mother's Day gift that my girlfriend gave me. Mm You know, and, and fortunately, my mom passed away before I could. She she knew about the adoption, and she had a grandma's brag book, which I found when we cleaned out her apartment. Um, but you know, I know that her and my dad, mm-hmm. they saw it from heaven, mm-hmm. and and you know, I feel their presence every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we will pray, but I want to mention too. Um, I think these ladies are willing, if anyone wants to talk a little bit more, we can connect you. Um, But then also let you know that we have spiritual friendships Mm -hmm. at New Hope, um, kind of one-on-one mentoring relationships. Uh, You go through, kind of meet weekly, you go through a different story from the Bible uh, each week. And that's something that we try not to just throw people together, but people who have similar stories, one who's been in this position before, kind of guiding the other one. And, and the, the goal, the prayer, is that you would be in a relationship kind of as the mentee for that year and then that you would, you know, kind of take someone else under your wing. And so that's something I think if you're really struggling and, and that sounds like, oh, I need a person like that, let us know. You can send me an email or a message or anything, anything social media comes to me, so whatever you send. Um, but just an encouragement, too, to make sure that you don't... Um, become a recluse and, and wallow and hurt and push it down. But if you want to talk to anybody, um, I'm here too. We have five pastors and, you know, people who want to talk with you about it. So um, don't be afraid to, afraid to reach out from that. We have some 
very nice things coming in. Thank you for you guys. Um, thank you for sharing in your honesty. Um, so I think we're going to pray. Um, oh, I wanted to share this one verse. Lamentations 3, 20 to 22. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> Father God, we thank you so much for this time together, a time that um, you've brought together these women who have experienced loss, but also experienced your hope. And so we pray that you would use this time, uh, people who are watching now, people who are listening later, that you would use it to minister to them and encourage them, God. And we just pray that, um, I'll just say a soothing balm, like a a cream over any wounds, God, that uh, people who are hurting right now, that you would just Bring a, bring a healing there to that wound, that you would calm it and just bring a peace, um, even now that they would feel a sense of your presence with them. And so we just give you so much praise, God. We, we join with the angels, and we just say that you are holy, and, and you are worthy, and we worship you. And so thank you so much for this time together, and be with us as we go. Um, yeah, we just praise you. In your name, amen. amen. All right, and next week we have um, three ladies coming to talk about their experience with abortion. Two ladies um, who've experienced one themselves, and then um, Gina Kennedy from Pregnancy Resource Center will also be here. And so we'll be talking about those experiences and the church's response, should be response (laughs) to those situations. So we hope you'll join us again next week. Thank you.